This is Yemen News. I'm Alex Williams. Today we have the pleasure of having Hamad Murshid with us. He's a professional artist from Yemen. His work addresses the post-traumatic stress disorder that he experiences as a result of living through the war in Yemen and how he's processing its effects. He wants to find a solution to heal his trauma and shine a light on the worst humanitarian crisis in the world today, the situation that his home country of Yemen now faces. He worked with paint, sculpture, video, sound programming for art, and video games. He says art has saved his life. Well, it's good to have you with us, Mohammed Murshid. Uh, great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself. You're, I know you're originally from the central part of Yemen. Uh, tell me about that and a little bit about what it was like growing up in Yemen. Oh, that's uh, okay. That's a great question. Um, I usually don't like to talk about myself, uh, but I'm going to give the audience a little bit of my story background. Um, born and raised in Yemen, in Sana'a. Um, I was born in Taz, actually, but I was raised in Sana'a all my life. Um, I, uh, I lived in a place called Shuratun, Al-Madinat Al-Hamdi. And, and the reason why I always mention this Al-Madinat Al-Hamdi because the history of Al-Hamdi and the, how he uplifted Yemen and wanted Yemen to be successful and all the betrayer, you know, killed yeah. him and he got, you know, uh, betrayed. So uh, from there, I, uh, I moved to the United States 2011 uh, because of the Arab Spring. Um, it was not... It wasn't a good place for me and my family, Sana'a, at that time. Um, I got shot at, um, attacked, um, people shot at my car. It was a difficult time at the moment when the Arab Spring happened. I lost friends, mem family members. Um, but I moved to the United States to pursue my dream and have a, a better life and freedom and, you know, away from all the trauma that I dealt with. In Yemen, I'm not saying Yemen is a negative thing in my life. Of course, there's a positive. Always will find positive. Sure. Um, but coming to the United States, thinking, oh, United States, I can uh, the American dream. I'm gonna pursue that dream. So first thing, uh, applied, and I, I became a citizen. Like I had the green card. So now I have to find a job. So dealing with the systemic racism that I didn't understand. Um, I went to a gas station. I gave the guy my resume. He read my name, Muhammad Murshid. He's like, oh, he literally threw my resume in the trash in front of my face. I was upset. I went home. Really? Uh, and then I, I contact some Yemeni folks, and I'm like, I need a job. I need help. They're like, oh, yeah, there's a guy in your city, in your place place he has gas station so i hit him up he's like yeah i know your family blah 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 so he hooked me up with the job the job was in the same gas station that the manager threw my my resume oh my goodness. and I, it was was really uncomfortable for the guy he thought it was a setup but i'm like i i was like a regular employee working with him and it was fine and he taught me a lot taught me a lot like good lessons in life to uh, not judge people. So I, I worked with this company, moved up. Um, 
the reason why I took this job because when I came to the state prior to the gas station job, I, I don't like to mention this job because it's like, I don't know, uh, people always judge, but I was a cleaning specialist, uh, cleaning toilets, bathrooms in, in, uh, in Eugene, Oregon. And uh, it was hard and degrading. The people were so racist to me and coming from a good family in Yemen and, and, and then you, you go to the state and then everything is like, you got to work. You, you have to support yourself. There is nobody that's supposed. So I took that as a fuel to motivate me and, and, and find a different job. And no matter how racist the, the people can be, are racist. I'm not saying every, and with showed me so much like uh, bad vibes and they usually uh, a guy in, in the gas station I try to help him to pump his gas and he was, he had a motorcycle and big guy white and he looked at me and he called me sand the n-word and from there I was shocked and I was like confused but and two days later he came back and apologized and gave me a gift card to go eat at you know, anywhere. Wow. Wow. So I, und I I appreciated the effort of the apology. And he's like, I was angry. I, I'm like, okay, you know, I appreciate it. You know, I'm in my job. I'm not, I'm not, it's not personal. I'm just doing my job. I, I don't take things personal. And the reason why I share my stories is uh, to give hope for people, no matter how hard it is, just keep going. Keep, you know, believe in, in your dream. Right. Um, manifest it, talk about it, write it down. Even if it doesn't happen, I the like I swear to God, the first thing when I was a kid, I used to say, "I'm going to the United States." Period. Like this is where my life's gonna end up. And everybody was laughing at me. My, you know, family members like it's hard. You know, we've been to the state. It's expensive. Anyways, that kept me as like a motivation thing. And I did it, thankfully. And I was blessed to leave Yemen. It's sadly to say that, but blessed because of the war. And, you know. Let me step you back a little bit. Like, how did you, mm -hmm. you know, you're an artist among many things. How did you start your journey in art? You know, who was the first person to encourage you as an artist? I mean, did that begin back in Yemen or was that later? That began in Yemen. And um, uh, my mom, she's an artist in Yemen. Uh, she's she's an unknown artist, but she sold so many potteries and back in the days for like famous, like rich people in Yemen. Like I don't want to name names, but sure. she she had good income coming in. And when she used to do the pottery and the paintings. Um, she always involved me. I used to be curious and I wanted to learn more. And uh, I, I got in a lot of trouble trouble painting my room. And then <laughs> she's like, you know what? She hired an artist, a girl, uh, a female artist, a Yemeni artist. And she came and painted the whole room, like uh, the dwarfs, you know, Snow White and all this cartoon Mickey Mouse. And I was so excited as a kid. So I was introduced to art as fun and it became my passion. And when I came to the States, after dealing with all the racism and 
you know, I went to medical school, not medical school. I did science. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be a, a anesthesiologist and, you know, I had all like dealing with like the life, like trying to make it in the United States and, uh, and trying to find a job and going to med school. It was so hard. And, and also like the department that I went at the university of Oregon the um, psychology or the science department wasn't helpful and there is racism in that there's so much discrimination and how they favor students from other students so it bothered me so I left and I went to art and technology I had a, a Canadian professor his name is Colin Ives he was so nice he didn't treat me with uh, like stereotype he respect me as a person. He motivated me. Uh, then I saw hope and I started working and doing art, like art and technology, which is digital, like writing codes, making uh, video games, projection mapping, um, uh, 3D printing, 3D scanning, all the technology things. And how do I utilize those into my art and present it as an art or a comprehensive item or an object? That tells a story about Yemen and so the trauma you, that we dealt with. I'll come back to that, but why did you switch the majors? Was it because you were you felt discrimination, or was it? Yes. Okay. It was, was discrimination. Okay. It was really discrimination, and I was a really like a de- a decent student. Like my GPA is like now is four point I'm not. I have good grades and I and I appreciate learning because we never had it in Yemen. It was difficult to go to school in Yemen. As you know, universities, the schools, it's hard. Even in 2010, it wasn't a stable educational institution in Yemen. It's all, you know, it's different. Right. So I took that and I, you know, I take every chance. So I had to take it because where we come from is hard to find chances and, you know, it's difficult for people to hand everything to you like, oh, this is you go ahead and invest. So I had to work for it. But I saw art is my passion and art saved my life. And I always say this quote and I also say it's a cliche thing because it's, it's, you know, everybody says art saves my life but my story is for real like art really saved my life with my ptsd and the and how i can find peace within working in the art and creating art it makes me happy and forget about all this war and the problems that i dealt with but sadly this is like an ignorant ignorance thing to do and trying to have a blind sight to what's happening in Yemen and it always comes back and and I and I stop myself and I and I address it in my art and as you see you can look right. at my art and well I understand you, a little bit I heard you know yesterday you were on an interview and you you talked a little bit about the synesthesia synesthesia that you mm-hmm. that you uh, discovered and I know it's probably sometimes it's difficult to express what it is, but maybe for the audience, as it relates to your art later, if you can explain just briefly what that is and 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 uh, give us a little background on that would help us. 
so uh, synesthesia is when you see sound. So if you hear an explosion, you out of a sudden, uh, on the atmosphere around you, surroundings, you see color. Everybody is different. Every synesthesia is different. Some people can taste words, sound, names. So mine is I see lights, uh, like um, like fireworks on the atmosphere, uh, like explosions, like lights, dark reds, dark blues, pinks, you know, different variety colors. Uh, only when I hear sounds from the explosions and, you know, the drums and stuff. And I, I use that as a tool to create my art as a scene and use those color and as, as an influence. Um, but a little bit of background in, in the 1940s, uh, the war between Aden and, and, and Sana'a, the north and the south that happened. I was uh, a young kid. I remember I was sleeping and out of a sudden I woke up, my mom carrying me and my brother on her you know, side uh, and start running down the stairs. And I was a kid, like I didn't understand what's going on, the trauma. Then we went from Shuratun to um, my uncle's house. He had a, they call it in Yemen bedroom, which is a bottom, like a bunker or underground uh, safety place for war. Mm -hmm. And it was so dark at night and everybody was sleeping and I was awake and I was seeing what, when I heard the sound, the bombs and the, the war, that's I saw color even when I was closing my eyes and I was like, I thought it was normal. Mm. So coming to the state, dealing with PTSD, and having really uh, migraine headaches and uh, like severe migraine headaches, like for two weeks, I can't even look at a screen or light and went to therapy. And the reason why I, I talk about therapy is I want to normalize the therapy. In our society, therapy is like a taboo or something is like, oh, only crazy person will go to therapy. But right. what I found out, therapy, I stepped, I went to therapy, professional people, they make you understand yourself. You, they don't tell you what to do. They suggest and let you find out who you are and understand what is this trauma. And they give you a professional feedback. Mm. So I advise a lot of Yemenis. I know it's expensive, uh, but if they have the chance, there's grants that they can apply. I'm, I'm talking about folks that's outside of Yemen. And then... I would advocate to like, I I know the war is causing a lot of trauma in Yemen and we have so much people hunger every 10 minutes a child dies and like all this pressure that's happening in Yemen and of course will, will lead to a trauma generation that will deal with PTSD, so much trauma mm -hmm. and more. So I'm trying to find solutions, uh, like cheap solutions that they can use in within in, in Yemen, so they don't have to go and seek for a therapy if right. they can't find. And I doubt there's a, a therapy right now in Yemen that will take anyone in. So, so before um, like, like before the airstrikes, I mean, there's sometimes there is like what there there must have been like weddings and. You know, sometimes there's gunfire that is related to happy experiences in Yemen. 
Did you see, did you experience that uh, synesthesia in those contexts as well or, or only in context of war? It, 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 became, it became more obvious and more intense. Like, of course, in Eid and, you know, we, we, we buy fireworks and celebrate it and in the weddings, people like fire. Like, I, I wasn't, ex- like, I wasn't exposed a lot to that like scene of you know my family was always like trying to stay away from weapons even my dad would hit his stuff in the safe and that we know the danger of you know weapons but it became more obvious in the 1994 is when the the war between the south and the north it became more intense and i don't know why maybe it's the trauma Mm. or that's my it's 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 basically rewiring of the brain where everything is like opposite but that's the synesthesia to when you look at it from a brain scan and how how synesthesia folks process things is different mm-hmm. but we still make it work for you know but it's obvious uh, it became more intense to me you know in the 1994 and i didn't even think about it it was a, a problem or an issue until i went to therapy in the united states and i um i i had a lot of sessions and diagnosed and i you know right and is that so the reason it's, it's really important to go I ahead was, i was just going to say is that one of the reasons why you use such bright and intense colors in your artwork because i i saw on your instagram there's very bright and very intense mm-hmm. colors i yeah i use a lot of saturated colors and uh, that that as well and also um looking at like going back to like when i was like going to let's say the babylon and when i was young Mm-hmm. I used to take a debab to Babylon, and which is a bus uh, to Babylon, and looking at the the colorful things in the shops, the clothings, women wearing sitara, and also like, don't get me wrong, like after the war with the after the Khalid war, the Gulf War, um, the idea of the black scarf and all that stuff came that because I remember back in the days like women uh, never wear the the black um cover right. the balto or the abaya mm-hmm. like i have pictures of my family in ties and my mom and uh, m- weddings that's m- mixed weddings men and women together and right. the band is w- in the in the hall with the bride and groom like it was so different and yeah. and and after after all this political ideology and theocracy when they push an idea like, like a religion thing to everybody it's, it, it doesn't make sense because we're all different we're all tribes who are you know we have different lifestyles and we have to respect each other and and uh, embrace our differences and love it and right. that's a big issue that we're facing yeah. do you feel it in your in the way you look at Yemen do you feel that Yemen has a color what is the color of Yemen Oh wow! At at the moment, Yemen, the color of Yemen, it's oh, it's now 
it's it's really dark red with dark green which that, that's how i see the color the complementary the between the red and green fighting uh mm. the, that's when i close my eyes and i hear sounds and you, you talked about yemen i saw literally like dark black red dark reds and dark so i don't understand why um it, it, that happens um but it is anesthesia and right. there's no solution for it we heard today from muhammad about how he went from getting shot at and attacked in yemen to dealing with racism and discrimination in america that finally pushed him to change his major now as a professional artist he shared with us how art is an escape that helps him to forget some of the experiences that traumatized him in yemen however he also says this is an ignorant thing to do to try to be blind to what's happening in yemen and it is this realization that leads him to use his art to bring awareness about the crisis in yemen i think this is a balance that we all need to find we do need outlets that allow us to escape and forget negativity pain trauma and darkness we need to find spaces where our souls and our spirits can rest but while we may need moments to look away we cannot allow ourselves to turn away completely we will not be able to heal by shutting ourselves off completely from realities that exist like the crisis in yemen and trying to ignore them what can help us to heal is finding that outlet that allows us to make a positive difference for muhammad that means using his art to bring awareness and talking about the importance of therapy in treating trauma to reduce the stigma surrounding discussions about mental health in yemen let's all try to identify and share the outlets we have to make a difference whether it's by raising awareness on social media or sharing resources that promote peace and recovery in yemen thanks for joining me on the podcast today and join me on monday to hear part 2 with muhammad morshid i'm alex williams and this is yemen news <laughs>